Welcome to Tech Demand Weekly, the podcast for B2B marketing specialists. All this month, we have been focusing on video marketing, and today is no different. So far, we have explored the benefits of using video, how you can inject emotion into your video content, and what has happened with video over the years, as well as what we expect to see happening in the future. On today's episode, we are going to explore video marketing for social media, as according to a study conducted by Web Marketing Video Council, a staggering 60% of brands are actively using social media video today. What is interesting, I think, about LinkedIn is the most engaging moving image content that I've seen tends to be animation and tends to be an infographic that is is being visualized in a way that uses cool graphics. It's not necessarily using any photography or any film footage. It's it's just a, a, a more dynamic way of presenting information to me rather than just a 2D infographic. A B2B live video has got to be pretty spectacular. It's probably going to be event-based. And if you're going to do it, I'd really have to ask why, what the immediacy is all about. Christine DeLeon is the editor-in-chief of The Beautiful Truth, a platform that shares knowledge, expertise, and critical thinking on where creativity meets purpose. Christine cut her teeth as a broadcast journalist before being made the chief of Ogilvy's first content studio. Christine has created content for the likes of Unilever, Philips and British Gas, helping brands to articulate something new and meaningful about themselves. To begin our conversation, I asked Christine what the main differences are between video for social media and videos that are at home on an organisation's website. They're different platforms and users interact with those platforms differently. So for social media, the habit or the user behavior is to scroll. And um, it's really a bit like just flicking through a magazine or scan reading a document. And the intention behind a user looking at a video for more than three seconds is, is just to get, you know, sort of a quick sense of, of something, not, nothing too complicated, you know, but just something that sort of piques the interest, I suppose. Whereas on, on a website, an organization's content hub, um, video for that platform tends to be more considered. You can have a bit more scope to extend the time frame of the video, how long the video is and, and the topics um, that you address. And generally, there isn't necessarily a, a big call to action the way there is in social media videos. Um, so I would just say social media videos are more about um, you know quick fixes and videos that sit on a content hub tend to have a little more scope for for time. They're kind of like a almost like a trailer in a way because they're only short they're only there to basically grab your attention and then hopefully make you respond to the call to action in them they're they're essentially just the same as as a movie trailer you know this is coming out at this point we want you to go and watch the whole thing 
Yes, that that's that's exactly it. I think they're little teasers, as we say in the business, you know, and, and they don't necessarily always have to be videos on social media don't always have to be connected to a larger body of work on a different platform. They can just be small little uh, pieces of information that live natively in, in, in a platform there, that doesn't always have to be a, um, a call to action to, to a larger content hub. According to research that was conducted by HubSpot, videos created for Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, they apparently should be no longer than just one minute in length. What is it that makes a a short video like that actually work, actually tick? Before I can answer what is it that makes a short video tick, I think it's really important to point out that um, Facebook has some pretty aggressive algorithms that define a user's engagement with video. So um, I think the algorithms now for Facebook, I'm not sure about Twitter, and I assume it might be the same for Instagram, is that if I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see a video and it pre-rolls to the first three seconds and I'm not necessarily looking at the video, I just happen to be scrolling quite gently through my feed, Facebook algorithms will assume that I've engaged with that piece of video, which is kind of false because I may not even be looking at it. I may just be reading some copy that's a little bit further up on a different post and the video just happens to be there. To answer your question, what does what makes a short video tick? Well, I think let's just forget about length for one moment and talk about what makes a video on these social platforms tick. And I think generally we know that we like to see faces eye contact. We like to see um, surtitles or subtitles because not everybody can have their volume on when they're watching video. And we like lots of bright colors. I mean, these are sort of the social media direction that you get from people who put paid spend behind a video. And so you kind of have to think about it in terms of like, are you putting spend behind this or is this organic? If it's organic, a short video can be whatever whatever you want it to be, really. If you're talking about a brand, trying to communicate something, then it can just be as simple as a quick splice from a larger TVC or a larger television commercial. It doesn't have to be created for the specific purpose of being broadcast natively in that platform. But I think the videos that certainly I've seen that work really well, I mean, take a look at how Vice do their videos, how the traditional broadcasting companies do it, like the BBC, Sky even, and also take a look at the other video content creators that are that are out there, like Now This. They really have a, a sense of, of how to get across some fairly complex ideas in a short period of time. And I think it's because the videos are visually arresting and they're not trying to communicate more than one or two complicated ideas at any one time. Yeah, what you said there about how um, you might have one of the, the big broadcasters like Sky or the BBC use social media, they, they will essentially take a clip from uh, an upcoming show or a show that's already being on um, that they're basically wanting more people to see and be uh, mindful of so they can go back and watch it on demand at a later time. And it might just be the smallest, smallest clip. I mean, I, I think there was um, a, a clip of the, the TV series The Bodyguard that was on over Christmas or just before. 
got an agenda. What is she up to? You know you'll never let anything bad happen to me. Bodyguard on BBC One. That 10, 20 second clip that they used on social media did it just as well as the entire scene did. Yeah, and I think um, we're becoming increasingly more savvy. So I think production, in in pre-production, planners will look at what the asset is and they'll consciously think, okay, what can we shoot that will look good on social? You know, rather than even two or three years ago, production companies suggesting that, well, social media... Um, output is only made up of B-roll. I think I think the attitude to what makes um, film work on on platforms like Facebook and Instagram is changing. So in B two B, then the most used social media platform is LinkedIn. What's an effective video to use here? Do you think should it be different to the way that you use video on Facebook and Twitter, the more commercial social media platforms? It's about being really mindful of the platform that you're meeting your audience members on, right? So I'm on Facebook for personal reasons, generally. That's my, that's my consumer, consumer behavior. That's my reason for going onto Facebook. My reason for going onto LinkedIn isn't the same. So my motivations are different for being on that platform. And generally, for LinkedIn, one is looking for content that's related to their work, their working lives. I've, I've noticed, and I, I know this may be different for lots of different people, but there's like almost no political discussion on, on my LinkedIn feed. It's generally about marketing leadership. It's generally about advertising. It's generally about consumer behaviors because that's the world that I'm, that I'm working in. Every now and again, I'll see something from the World Economic Forum. Now, I would say that for B2B brands, unless you have something really interesting to say about leadership, about industry, about how you treat your employees, about employee engagement, then really I, I don't see the point of using video in, in this platform. I tend to look at content from a brand that's communicating to other brands that is anchored in something like. International Women's Day, for example, you just have to really ask yourself why you would even put a video on LinkedIn. What is the purpose of putting a video on LinkedIn? I think for me, I I probably see the same sort of content in my LinkedIn feed as you do. And and the vast majority of videos that I see are, you know, selfie videos that basically a, a, a marketer is they're doing something similar to this podcast essentially they are choosing a particular subject so it might be video and this is how you should use video to you know market your brand etc essentially they're, they're just a blog post read out and and that's it and so when you say the reason for you being on LinkedIn is that connection for your work rather than it being sit down with a cup of coffee and just browse through it like most of us do with Facebook. It does then beg the question, is there really a need for using it? I think the behavior and the motivation for being on LinkedIn as a platform has to be considered. You know, what is interesting, I think, about LinkedIn is the most engaging moving image content that I've seen tends to be animation and tends to be an infographic 
that is is being visualized in a in a way that uses cool graphics. It's not necessarily using any photography or any film footage. It's it's just a a, a more dynamic way of presenting information to me rather than just a 2D infographic. What I'm finding more of are individuals posting personal videos on LinkedIn. So today I saw someone who was taking some video footage from her phone, really terrible, really shaky, bad lighting, to show me the inside of her hotel room and to say to me, these are the things that I appreciate when I'm traveling for business. You know, I don't really care. I'm... (laughs) I feel like I'm in a professional space and I don't want to know what your likes or dislikes are when you travel for business. I feel like save that for Facebook. But, you know, I I say that and I sound a little bit flippant about it. But when you're on a platform like LinkedIn, you are there as a representative of an employer or if you're self-employed, your own brand as a company. And I just think we're possibly getting to the space where we're just a bit sloppy about what we what we put on on LinkedIn and I, and I think we just have to become mindful that LinkedIn isn't Facebook. Every marketer that I've spoken to on this podcast, um, they always talk about the importance of storytelling in your content, whether that's video or a white paper, it doesn't matter. But it might be even more true to say that that's required in video marketing. Considering that the first 10 seconds of a video will make or break it and that the optimal video length for, say, Instagram is apparently only 26 seconds, is it really possible to tell your story in a video that is specifically made for social media, do you think? Yes, you just have to accept that it's not going to be the deepest story. You have to accept that possibly it will just gloss the, the surface and you would probably have to do a, a decent call to action at the end of that video just to get people to to know or to engage with the deeper meaning, the deeper story behind the video, which is why it's always important, I think, um, to have a content hub or to at least have a presence on another space where you have full scope to get into something deeper like the medium, for example. Head, for example, you know, they understand how to get ideas across in a short period of time. And I've noticed it is striking imagery and definitely the subtitles, because as I said before, not everybody can listen. The news outlets like Channel 4 do do a good job of it. Now, when we talk about social media, we're, we're, I feel like this conversation has left out YouTube. So YouTube to me is a social media platform. And I think that's sort of one place where you can have a, a longer amount of time to spend crafting a story, to spend telling the story, and to see what the interaction is on a just know a bit more you just get a bit more data don't you when you when you use um youtube you can see what the audience um data is uh, just a bit quicker and i think the the comments part of of the platform does provide immediate conversation you know so if I feel like if you're really stuck in telling a story <laughs> in under seven minutes, you can always find Vimeo. You can always find YouTube. Those are social media platforms as well. 
Yeah, you make a really good point about that. I mean, some of the biggest marketing videos are actually based on YouTube. There's uh, there's one there's a, there's a whole series that Social Media Examiner actually have on their YouTube channel. Uh, it's called the journey, and basically, it's their marketing journey of selling Social Media World. I think is the co- the title of the the event that they they organise every year, and it's basically them basically setting up the event selling the tickets for it and marketing it and everything like that but it gives a real insight into it's a fly on the wall documentary of how they do all of that work now recently they actually took their series off of facebook because they they just weren't seeing the results they weren't seeing people actually staying and watching the video there so they kind of went well we won't put it there anymore. They'll put a teaser on Facebook with a call to action to go and watch the whole video over on YouTube. And that is now seemingly working really well for them. They already had high numbers of views on YouTube and now it's gone even higher because they're now using Facebook as more of a case of just advertising and marketing that video series that they have hosted elsewhere on a, uh, on a, on a lo- more long-form video platform. Yeah, I mean, as we were talking through this um, in this interview, and um, I'm, I think you're right. I think through this conversation, I've solidified my thinking a bit that the consumer platforms for social media, like Instagram, like Facebook, are places where you upload small little trailers or small little interstitials I guess you could say that just direct the user to a a platform that is more congenial to a longer form viewing like Vimeo like YouTube and like a content hub I think uh, you know we we created a a video it was a b2b video for ArcelorMittal it was about health and safety the health and safety video was really meant for ArcelorMittal's employees and for them to just think about health and safety in a, in a more mindful way. Now, it was quite an intense production setup. It was filmed on three or four different locations, and it was never meant to be broadcast on television. But because the story was so compelling and it was told on three different continents, I believe, four or five different countries, it did well on on LinkedIn because we're talking about a business and how it is concerned about the health and safety and welfare of its people. You know, so that's something that I think can tell a longer story. It had two or three characters in it and it had a narrative arc as well. But it's just as content creators, we need to also be mindful of the distribution, right? (laughs) What is the most relevant platform? I'm not going to put, to use an analogy, this might be a bad one, but I'm going to use it anyway. I'm not going to put a Hollywood blockbuster in an art house cinema. You know, I'm going to program the art house cinema with black and white films from different countries where I have to read subtitles all day long because that's what people expect when they turn up at the art house cinema. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's just it, it, it's it's not rocket science, really, but being cognizant of what your audience wants to see and when and meeting them at that place with content that you think is going to engage them. It's time for a quick break now, but when we return, Christine will turn her attention to live video. 
Tech Demand is a B2B platform who specialize in connecting organizations with their customers. Tech Demand create unique and engaging specialist content which is evergreen for generating campaign success. Visit the website tech-demand.com to discover how Tech Demand can help you. Welcome back to Tech Demand Weekly and my chat with Christine De Leon about video for social media. So far in our conversation, we have looked at pre-produced video, but there is another type of video available on social media in the form of live video. I asked Christine if the same rules apply to live content that do for produced work, or whether it's a completely different ballgame altogether. I think when you're recording something live, it's, as a content creator, um, as a consumer, it's because I have a burning desire to share something that's really important with my peer group. So on Facebook, it could be my my child's first steps, you know. On YouTube, it's built for, you know, mini broadcast talking heads interviews or speaking to camera in that one moment uh, where you get to choose your programming time and where you slot in. In terms of the content, I think you know, it made me think of Snapchat, which I'm not on. <laughs> um, um, I, I, I've used it because I've had to for work. But what I found really interesting in the last UK general election was the use of Snapchat and the live immediacy of it from the Labour Party. So the Labour Party's campaign on Snapchat was there as a live proposition, where the other two party campaigns weren't. They were non-existent on that platform. And I think they, there was a swell in um, youth engagement, people who were of age to vote or just about ready to be of age to vote, who were engaging with politics on a live platform like Snapchat. So, you know, I think liveness, you, you know, why am I motivated and to, to share this and who am I sharing this with, I think are two quite serious considerations, um, especially for brand, you know. I, I think if you want to show what's happening at the company picnic day, I would just save that for the in- intranet, you know, for Yammer or, or whatever it is that that your company is using as an internal engagement tool. A B2B live video has got to be pretty spectacular. It's probably going to be event-based. And if you're going to do it, I'd really have to ask why, what the immediacy is all about. You know, is there some sort of spectacular event that's happening, something that will never, ever, ever happen again and needs to be filmed exactly at that time, live to air? <laughs> you know, it's the old broadcasting um, model, but, you know, is it worth it to be live to air as a business? Even something like Question Time, the BBC's Question Time, never does a live-to-air broadcast on social. They'll do it on terrestrial TV, they'll wrap it, and then they'll put it on to the social feeds. They're pretty good, maybe about 10 or 15 seconds after the live broadcast has gone out. I would argue that the BBC is probably a good place to look to for best practice in live broadcast, right? (laughs) So if you're a brand, you need to really ask yourself, why am I doing a live broadcast? If you're running a campaign, 
There might be some justification for that, like the Labour Party ran a campaign on Snapchat. There was justification for that. But I would look at who your audience are, what their personas are, when they're really keen to even hear from you in a live way and on what platforms and what is the thing that you're trying to do? Are you trying to sell something? Because if you're trying to sell something, I think people will just be switched off straight away. If you're trying to engage people in a conversation, then potentially there's there's justification for that. If I can just ask then if there's any social media videos you've seen recently that have caught your attention. I've enjoyed in a in a way the plastics pollution social media videos that have been going out. So and they range, right? They range from highly produced cuts from something like Blue Planet that have been repurposed for social media consumption. But also it's inspired other content creators to make their own films about the plastic pollution that they see. And they won't have the same production values as Blue Planet, but they're getting across an idea and they're documenting something that's um, that everyone can agree on, that it's, some, uh, it's a problem that needs to be addressed. And there are businesses that are working towards addressing those issues. And there are consumers who are also working towards addressing those issues. So it's not one specific video, but it's the aggregation of video content around the issue of plastics pollution, which I find quite interesting. You know, it's, it's sort of reached a critical mass, I think, in the last 12, 18 months. And, you know, the days of social media platforms inspiring entire revolutions uh, I'm thinking about the Arab Spring, I think are, are few and far between now, but I think the video content that shows the evidence of how plastic pollution is affecting our biosphere is akin to the, to the Arab Spring in its setting forth a, a, a movement. In terms of brands, I think the World Economic Forum has it straight. I think TED has it straight. But the Lego everything is not awesome. This was four years ago now. It's probably one of the best things I've seen in a really long time because it used metaphor, it used storytelling. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. It really spoke to our emotions about childhood and, and how that's just kind of getting messed up a little bit, right? And the end result is that Lego stopped their their partnership with Shell. You know, that to me is a video that has a very clear call to action and probably the most successful engagement rate. Greenpeace is the content creator agency, creative agency, and Lego's a client. I would say they have hit all the KPIs in terms of what video should be doing in social. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome when you're living on a dream. Everything is awesome.
I really, really enjoyed the Breathless Choir. It was for Philips Healthcare. And um, that was a few years ago now. And it was never meant to be a TVC. It was never meant to go out to broadcast television. It was made specifically for YouTube. I loved singing. I loved belting on stage. I used to put on shows for everyone. I'd dress up and I'd dance and I'd sing for them. I went into full-on lung failure. I was in a coma for around three and a half weeks. And after that, I had to be on oxygen. And so that's when it changed. On 9-11, I was the first responder. I got there soon after the first two towers came down. They say I've lost about a third of my lung function. I haven't sung since 2001. I worked very briefly on that campaign when I was when I was at Ogilvy on the social side of it. And what was so compelling about that video, which did win a few can awards, I believe, was it took this idea of a product and product benefit, but never did they talk about the product. They talked about people overcoming COPD, so their breathing issues, through song. Every game you play, every night you say. This is the bit where you're going to be going <gasps> at the end of it. Every move you yeah, make, that's so much nicer. Every move. And just at the very right. end, um, just I take a little yeah, breath yeah. before you. I think people are going to forgive you. Philips Healthcare, the brand that they were trying to sell, just I think there was like a 0.05 flash of it in the in the final cut but you never really got a sense of what the product was in it you know it just wasn't in your face but you did get a sense of how it benefited these people with really severe pulmonary issues and how it inspired them to do something they never thought they would imagine themselves doing which was singing in a choir You know, I, I feel like when brands are trying to communicate something about themselves, it's most powerful in social media when there's a purpose behind it, you know, when, they're, when they have something to say. So would that be your one piece of advice then for our listeners that are in B2B uh, space as marketers then to actually before you go out and and just start posting video on your social media networks to actually work out what your purpose is for doing it in the first place? So the advice that I would give to any B2B content creator, the advice I give to any business that is thinking about creating films to talk about themselves as a business is to work out really what is your purpose 
and what you stand for and what are you trying to say and to find the most creative way to do that. And sometimes a seven second video on a consumer platform like Facebook or Instagram isn't going to cut it when you're trying to talk about your corporate social responsibility program or your employee engagement program. You know, I think there's also a lot of scope for looking at longer forms of video that tell a deeper story and to not be so pressurized by what the pundits say about what films do well on social and they're only five seconds because businesses and corporations have deeper things to say. And sometimes you can't get that across in five seconds. But really, ultimately, it's about what you're trying to communicate. And generally, people want to know what your purpose is. And there's all sorts of data to show that younger audiences are engaging with video that comes from a corporation if it has something to do with things about ethics or things about responsibility that sort of thing, that the more human side of, of a business as opposed to, you know, the profits that they've done in this quarter or how well they've rewarded their shareholders. I mean, that sort of thing, you could pick that up anywhere, really. If you want someone's attention for 15 seconds, it's got to be more than just pushing product or bragging about your your returns. My thanks to Christine DeLeon. You can find out more about purpose and creativity at thebeautifultruth.org.uk. The videos mentioned in this episode are available to view on our website, tech-demand.com. Just go to the podcast page and then choose this episode to see more. That's all we have time for on this episode of the podcast, but in the meantime, you can subscribe to us through your favourite podcast app and share all of your episodes with your social network. I'll see you next time for more B2B Marketing Insights on Tech Demand Weekly.